and welcome back to the second episode of this season's NBA Breakdown with myself, James Gregg. I've got the Athletics NBA insider, Joe Varden, as well, and the Athletics NBA analyst and director of North American Sports at StatsBomb Seth Partnow. Um, welcome along, gents. Um, I hope you're both doing well and you're enjoying the basketball. Now, you may or may not remember in the last podcast, um, we said this season was pretty wide open. Um, I think, Seth, you said it's probably one of the widest open seasons in maybe 20 seasons, you reckon? Something like that. Um, Milwaukee Bucks was both of your preseason picks, sort of, after a little bit of tickling. Um, and they, in my opinion, of all the NBA I've managed to watch so far, certainly do look the best team. Um, I don't think that that's really up for dispute, but I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. That's why we're here. Um, and we've got the festive schedule to come as well. There's plenty to get our teeth stuck into and plenty for you listening at home to uh, get your heads around as well. So both of you, I mean, which teams are impressing you the most? Um, I'll start with you, Seth. Do you, are you still sticking with that preseason pick? Yes. Um, I think the Celtics have been the best team so far. Uh, you, you counteract that with the fact that I, I don't think that they're going to continue to have five guys shoot 45% from three. And at the same time, the Bucks just got Chris Middleton back. And so they've kind of, they've kind of been second or third best team by record most of the year, having not really played at their peak and not had been healthy. So they're just kind of bobbling along. Um, and you can't win the title in November. And so they're just doing what they have to do. Yeah. Would you echo that as well, Joe, from what you've seen so far? Yeah, and I would start with the Middleton piece. Uh, the, the Bucks were right there, all you know, to, up until this point, a game or two behind the the Celtics. Uh, incredible pace, and that's without one of their top players. Um, I still think that the the reason why I picked the Bucks to begin with still stands, which is they are going to limit the off court distraction, no matter what else happens. And we've already seen uh, an incredible amount of that since the three of us had last met, mostly in Brooklyn, but all over. And it's it's happening even now in Atlanta with Trey Young and, and goes on and on. We're, we're not going to see that with the Bucks, And so I think their, their slow and steady approach is going to um, pay off for them as, as we move along. Any particular players that have impressed you so far? Um, we'll obviously do a little bit of an MVP potential rundown from what we've seen so far a, a little later, but any any. Standout performances that spring to mind that, you know, people listening might think, okay, um, yeah, maybe I should kind of focus a little bit more on that, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I think we have five or six guys averaging north of 30 points in the league. Uh, and it starts with Luca and, and Giannis are both right there. So so that's an incredible uh, an incredible feat so far this 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 far into the season. Um, I think you're looking at um, uh, who am I thinking of? Oh, oh uh, Anthony Davis, of course. Anthony Davis has emerged as as a player. I mean, probably a top five player right now, which I mean, we had all but forgotten about him with his with his injuries. Um, and then I just think, you know, you look at, at what's going on with a couple of different guys, both in Sacramento and even in, in Indianapolis with the Pacers, um, Tyrese Halliburton leading the league in assists uh, on a team that was just supposed to be totally forgotten this year. I think I think that's pretty cool uh, to this point. OK, Seth. So the Anthony Davis point is interesting because this is um, people of, oh, it's the bubble Anthony Davis. And, and, and sure, um, 
Last five games he shot, he has an effective field goal percentage of just north of 60% on jump shots uh, for the rest of the season. Shots outside of 10 feet. For the rest of the season, it's it's been in the low 30s. I think it's like 33-something percent um, for the rest of the season. And that's sort of the one time in his career where he's consistently been a good jump shooter was in the bubble. So will that continue all season? I don't know. Now, that said, that's not the only reason. I mean, obviously, he's destroying inside. He's getting to the line 10 times a night. So he's he's playing well. Well, aside from that, I just, you know, wondering how much of that is sustainable. And frankly, with Anthony Davis, how long is it till there's another, you know, minor injury that knocks him out for uh, for a couple of games? Yeah. The thing with Anthony Davis, too, though, is he's also he's leading the league in rebounding and blocks. Um, so this is a guy who, as you and I know, uh, has defensive player of the year potential. And to actually see it in a year where he's for the most part, been healthy for him and, and figuring out this jump shooting after a, a year and a half of, of really not shooting it well. I, I like, uh, I was talking to, uh, one of the Lakers reporters earlier today. Um, they're coming here to Cleveland, uh, tonight for a game on Tuesday. Um, I, I like how Russell Westbrook is playing off or playing with Anthony. Um, and, and I think Davis plays off of him well. Uh, it's certainly a better fit than the, than any time LeBron and, and, and Russ are there together. And so, you know, with Anthony Davis, um, who does stand out to me, but you're right, Seth. I mean, he could turn his ankle tomorrow and be out a month. Um, that, that's just, that's been his career. But as long as that doesn't happen, um, I, I do like that one-two combination with Russ, and I think that has led to some of the shots and some of the looks that he's getting. I'm just trying to work out because on Pinnacle soon there is going to be odds for MVP. We don't put it up at the start of the season because, I mean, you know, it's, it's, who, who knows at that stage um, who's going to shine. Usually there's a pool of probably 10 players realistically who you think are, you know, are, are going to maybe contend or depend on how the teams are doing. It's all very subjective, of course. Um, I've kind of come up with a bit of a top five here, not in any particular order. And I want you to reshuffle them. And I also then want you to tell me if there's any names. I mean, you've just given me two names there, actually, in Davis and Westbrook, who are players that have shone that I'm not going to mention as MVP contenders. And that they might not be. But if, if there are names that I've missed out here, I want you to go. I'm purely going on stats as well, lads, from what I've seen. So uh, Jokic, uh, Steph, Tatum, Giannis and Luca in no particular order. And that's basically based on their points per game, their rebounds, um, and sort of factoring in their team's win percentage as well, because obviously that has, has a little bit of an influence on things. So you made a note of those, um, reshuffle them. Um, if you will, uh, Joe, you look really up for this. So I'll start with you. Well, listen, I, I took notes. Uh, <laughs> nice. I actually wrote down the name, the name. So I'm happy about that. Um, I think I would probably start with Luca. Um, and I know he's leading the league in scoring, but he's also like, I don't know. I think he's like eight and a half, eight and a half with the rebounds and the, and the, and the assists. And if you just look at what is around him, he just, I think that he has the weakest roster of any of those players. Um, after that, I think I probably would go Giannis. Uh, he's been a machine. And then, um, for, for now, I, I think you're looking at, Maybe Tatum uh, is the best player on the best team, and and Jokic, and then Steph rounding it out. Just be, I'm gonna I'm gonna ding him. I mean, I know he's leading the league in threes again, but up until literally like this week, the Warriors have been so bad on the road and have been a barely 500 team that I I, I can't put him any higher than than any of those guys right now. Okay, 
Oh, that, that's that, that's interesting. The 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 Warriors are, are are a game ahead of the 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 Mavs now. I mean, the Mavs are mm-hmm. the, the Mavs are down at five hundred, and that's I'm this this is always sort of the debate that comes up when we're talking about MVPs. How much do you factor in team success? Um, just because you know a couple of the players we're talking about with absurd stats in in specifically Luca and Steph, we're almost double crediting them for having bad teammates. And it's like, oh, look how bad their teams would be without them, and they're putting up these amazing stats. Well, where. Part of the reason they're putting up these amazing stats is that no one else is going to do anything with the ball on their teams, really. Um, and that's why, to me, I think I probably lean a little more weight team stuff than most. I don't think it's dispositive. I don't think it's disqualifying, but I don't like Tatum so far. I mean, you look at the, they've been Boston has been just as good on the floor with Tatum as the Warriors have been with Steph. Uh, they're still much better with him on the floor with him off historic offense. He's, you know, improved his game. He and another player who you didn't mention, um, and I think probably it doesn't belong in the top five conversation, but is at least deserving of a mention. And that's Devin Booker are kind of guys who are in this. OK, but prove it in the playoffs mode with all of right. us. But I think that in just in terms of who has been the driven winning the most this year, I think you should probably start with Tatum and, and then Giannis, uh, just because of in part, well, their teams have actually won. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Um, any rookies, um, that spring to mind have sort of shone. From your perspective, because we didn't do much on that, did we, in the preseason podcast? Any, I, I know we talked about a few trades and, and sort of the, so, some of the drafts, but anybody who springs to mind as somebody who's like, wow, in ten years this guy could be the real deal. For me, I, I've I've been fortunate enough to see Paolo Bancaro twice uh, in person and uh, had a chance to uh, sit down with him not long after we met the last time. Um, and and I he's I think he's mature uh, as a player beyond his years and and looks um, to me looks like the rookie of the year right now um, on a just kind of a, an interesting team to watch. I mean their record stinks, but 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 the Magic are a fun team. So yeah, I, I would start there with the number one overall pick. Okay. So I think he's, he's been everything we could have, we could have hoped for from him. The guy who has been, I think the, you know, who, who is second after Bancaro in, in rookie of the year is, a, is an, is an interesting conversation. Probably if I had to pick right now, it'd probably be Benedict Matherin from the Pacers. And he's someone who I think has, um, his ability to score efficiently, um, by already having a game that's mature enough to let him get, let him get himself to the line a lot. Um, I think this is a problem that a lot of young kind of athletic perimeter players have is they're, they're very up and down and dependent on, you know, making tough jump shots to be efficient. And unless they have that ability to, well, I'm going to shoot eight free throws tonight. So that's seven free points, you know, seven, seven free points on four possessions. So even if I go two of 10 from three, I still have a chance to have an okay game. And I think that's something that, that Matherin has, has done that, that's really uh, been impressive because I think that's a skill and something that's actually hard for players to add once they get to the, get, you know, deep into the league. Anthony Edwards, for example, has still not really been able to do that. DeAndre Ayton has, has not be able, been able to do that, to add that to his game. Um, so I think that's, um, that, that, that's a really nice, nice, uh, nice selection for Indiana at that spot. It's a big step up, isn't it? It's a big step up. You know, playing regular NBA, you know, the schedule is just so grueling, isn't it? And we'll talk a little bit more about what we've got to come between now and when we next talk in a moment. And particularly for those young players getting their heads around the week in, week out, 
um, day after day, you know, because it's so different. It's so different to anything that they've experienced before and the intensity and obviously the quality, etc. Uh, Dwight Howard, by the way, in Taiwan, should he still be in the NBA? I, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's, there's sort of, um, on, on skill, should he be? Yes. There's the sort of, there's the, the pain in the ass to production ratio that he's not the first <laughs> player to, to fall afoul of that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, there's, we could, we could spend a whole hour listing players and talking about players, <laughs> <laughs> whether they qualify right side of them, there's probably an optimal line. And I, I kind of agree. He probably falls just, just outside the line there. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to the Eastern conference prior to the season. And in our first episode, um, the sixes were at 600 plus 600. The now that the, the odds have lengthened slightly. The Celtics are still favorites, but their odds have shortened. The books are at plus 2.55 and the Nets plus 700. So, um, that gives us a bit of a feel for how things are going. It, I suppose it does loop back a little bit to what you said, Seth, just right at the start of the program where you said that you, you can't win the title in November, but you can lose it. And there's teams that are just bubbling away. And that obviously then skews everybody's perception of them. So which teams from the East um, I'm talking in the upper echelons here, or maybe even those who've started so badly that they need to get the skates on in, in, in terms of trying to improve themselves if they are going to get in the playoffs. Um, which teams would you kind of say have just bubbled nicely and which teams have kind of gone too early or maybe raised their expectation levels beyond what's reasonably to be expected of them? I wonder if... I think we've been actually pretty responsible in terms of not anointing Cleveland. I think they've been the, the, the fit in the start of the season that Donovan Mitchell had was certainly encouraging, but I think that there's the recognition and in part because of the, the, you know, kind of the gaping hole they have at small forward that they are probably, you know, a piece or two and a year or two away from, from really being there. So I don't think we've gotten, um, carried away there yet. But but they're a team that that certainly has had an extremely encouraging start to the season. Yeah. Okay. And from the east, Joe, are you are you kind of on that? Well, I mean, I, I certainly agree with Seth that um, we have been careful not to give the Cavs too much credit, and and there are reasons behind that. Um, so I don't think I need to say anything more there. I, after the Cavs, just for for any listeners who don't remember that that. That's where I live. So I, I see a lot of their home games, at least. Um, after them, though, I, I want to talk about the Sixers and I, and, and Doc Rivers, who is not necessarily one of my favorites. Um, but I think he's done as good a job in these two months as maybe he's done in, in any regular season, um, over the course of his, uh, you know, illustrious stellar coaching career in terms of results. Um, I mean, they, they lost James Harden for most of it. P, uh, PJ Tucker has been banged up, but played. Tobias Harris was out. Uh, Tyrese Maxey has missed a month. You know, Joel every now and then actually he missed a few games with the, with an ankle and they're still top four ish. 
um, and still kind of trending in the right direction, you know? And so I give, I give doc credit, um, and I give the front office credit for bringing in a D'Anthony Melton, um, and, and Shake Milton, who is a guy like he was, he's been there since sort of the last days of the process and has, um, been a starter. He's barely played. And, and now that he's been getting these minutes with James out, he's, he's really helped them stay afloat. So I like the Sixers and, and, um, I like them as a regular season team. We'll see if Joel and and James can can mesh in the postseason, but to, to keep their heads above water to this point, given everything they've gone through, I think has been pretty good. That's uh, that's quite high praise, actually. You know, when you talk about Doc Rivers and his you know, like long career, and that he's done an amazing job there in the last couple of months. Is is there part of that though? You know, with the the players that you mentioned who've been in and out of the team, and he's not really he just kind of had to grind a little bit. It's that it's kind mm-hmm. of just churn the results out, which is a difficult thing to do in all sport um, when you've not got everybody as available as you would like. But then, is there then that? It's, this is an intangible, um, and I suppose this is down to the menti- mentality of the players a little bit more. But when you do then have, let's say they make the playoffs easily and they're well seeded, and then they have all these players available, their expectation levels are then much higher. But, but they they haven't had that chance to mesh, like you say, to to sort of you know nick that word. So, Seth, is that something that you would kind of be a little bit cautious of when you're talking up the sixes? I mean, I think, yes, I would look at it a slightly different way. The way they're winning games is not how they're going to win games when they have their full complement of players. I mean, for much of the, the kind of the rescue the season run they were on, they had, they were playing about the best defense in the NBA. It's dropped off a little bit in the last couple of games, but, um, you know, they're, they're currently, uh, about average offensively and top five defensively. I think that when they have their full complement of guys, you would kind of expect that to all to reverse. You're hoping they get to average defensively when you start with a backcourt of Harden and Maxi and be an elite offensive team. So, um, as, and I agree with, I agree with Joe, and this is kind of a, a, you know, an interesting illustration of just like players sometimes thrive in different situations. So do coaches having to like grind for results is probably something Doc is better at than here's all the talent, make it fit together mm. perfectly. And so, but for how they're going, how they have to play to win, that's what they have to do. And just, I think we just have to see it. And the fact that they've lost a month and a half of getting to gel, I don't think it's, it doesn't doom them, but it certainly doesn't help. Yeah. That's probably why they're eight favorites for their overall NBA title um, come the end of the year, which is, you know, if you consider kind of recent results, look at them on paper, which is effectively kind of what I'm doing, <laughs> by the way, guys, <laughs> um, you go actually, Okay. Um, that's, that's interesting. That seems, you know, pretty long odds, really. But again, it's one of those things that time will have to tell. And, and for those listening, well, you know, when they do have all the big guns back, if they can all gel, well, that's, that's up to them. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that, how that looks. We'll, we'll move away from the East. Are we done on the East? I think we're done on the East, aren't we? Um, we'll move to the West. Um, so Golden State Warriors are your favorites to win the Western Conference at the moment. Interesting though, the Nuggets preseason were like pretty long odds. Their odds have significantly shortened after last weekend. That's not really a surprise, Joe. No, I, so long as Jamal Murray and and Michael Porter Jr. I mean, as long as they stay healthy, and and I know we could say that about everybody, and said that a lot about Anthony Davis already today. But but Jamal and Michael are, are two players who have been plagued with uh, fairly significant and recurring injuries over the, over the course of their careers. Um, but they both look really good. 
and and they're back and they're healthy and you know they're obviously uh, playing alongside the two-time uh reigning MVP and and Bones Highland is good and they they have a really good coach um there and and Michael Malone and so yeah I mean that they we thought highly of them to begin with we thought after the warriors um you know you thought about the nuggets and you thought about the clippers and then you wondered about about the grizzlies and i think a lot of that is still in play we could talk about the clippers but a lot of that is still in play and and the nuggets have have shown they they deserve that kind of praise yeah and for how do you see the east seth what have, what's kind of caught your eye uh, so, I mean, I, I, I would like to point out that one of us picked the uh, Nuggets to make the finals. Yeah, you did. Um, actually, I, okay, by um, the way, I was going to bring that up. You yeah, did. Um, <laughs> pretty good. Oh, no, and and it's, it's funny. I'm glad you brought up the Clippers as well, because, I mean, you know, the, the Nuggets are, are having that. we I think we said this preseason is that, you know, the, everyone was talking about, well, if the Clippers guys are healthy, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, the Nuggets should be in the same conversation. And we've kind of seen both sides of that coin mm-hmm. where the Clippers haven't been. And at this point, I think you just have to be very worried. About like, we don't, we don't know, but you just have to be very worried about Kawhi Leonard, not just for this season, frankly, but kind Mm -hmm. of longer term. Um, the Warriors, I am, I am very worried for about them. Extreme reliance on Curry and, um, the degree to which their depth degraded in the offseason. I don't think we, we totally, um, accounted for. And I, you know, it's gotten better. I mean, the, the, the first part of the season, we saw that, that James Wiseman was, was you know, kind of an anchor on, on there and, and not in a good way, like in like dragging down their, their kind of their units. And it's approved a little bit since then, but still they just, I just, do they have enough guys to get to the playoffs healthy to get to the playoffs with Steph and Draymond fresh and then to make it through four rounds of, of the playoffs. It's hard to see right now, barring, you know, whether it's it's Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody stepping up or making a deal, using some of the young players to go, you know, acquire another another high level, uh, probably, um, I, I don't even know what, what, what position they need most. They probably need a wing, but they probably need another ball handler also. So I think there's a lot to worry about, despite having a, you know, a player who's on the short list for best player in the world. Yeah, <laughs> when you put it like that, Other than that. yeah, that's interesting. Um, I suppose we'll if we look, move away from the top tier teams, um, and we know we know the brand of the Lakers. We know that the popular worldwide and a lot of people casually glance at the NBA standings and go what on earth is happening to the LA Lakers but there's a quite simple kind of answer for that but what isn't as simple is are they going to make the playoffs you know do they do they have a fighting chance or from what you've seen are they just completely down and out well they're eight and two in their last 10 um Anthony Davis in that stretch has played played himself into that list of five that that you gave mm. us uh, earlier, and you know it's just a matter of you know we've said on this show before that the Lakers were set up when they brought Anthony here that he was supposed to become the alpha player, and LeBron he was going to end his career as one of the great wingmen of all time, and that it never materialized. And now we're in a very brief stretch in a very long season where that actually appears to be the case. Um, their roster is still a mess, I, I think, uh, outside of, of their top two. And you can't believe some of the names that they're trotting out there. But, you know, 
Anthony Davis and LeBron James assume they're healthy. Uh, Russell Westbrook appears to be a better fit coming off the bench and limiting his minutes and sort of who he plays with and when. Um, Pat Beverly is there now and, and Dennis Schroeder is, is there. So, so those are, are four or five like, really good pros um the the west isn't what it used to be and so you know i think they're going to be a play-in team um i don't know that they can get out of like get past seven at this point but but a play-in and then see what happens i suppose it goes back to the gel thing doesn't it seth could they all start gelling at some point or is is that just so heavily reliant on uh, on the top two? Because their roster is a mess. Everywhere, everybody's saying it. Everybody who watches the Lakers is just saying, what on earth is going on? I mean, I, in some ways that almost makes it easier because they don't have to, they don't necessarily have to worry about the gelling. It's just like, well, is, is, is Anthony Davis playing at a, at an, an MVP or thereabouts level? Well, they got a chance then. And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a, you know, it becomes a very simple question rather than like all these, you know, buttons and levers that you have to worry about. Um, just, you know, and looking at the, the, you know, they're two and a half games out of sixth place. And it's not like the teams ahead of them are, are setting the world on fire. Like I think that, you know, Utah after a great starts coming down to earth, Portland's record is probably, uh, inflated by being really good in, in kind of clutch time this year. Um, the Clippers, we've talked about their health issues and, you know, as, and we've talked about, you know, Dallas, um, being, you know, the, okay, the Lakers have two guys, the Mavs kind of have one. Um, and then the other team ahead of them is Minnesota. And um, I think the less said about them, the better at this point. We'll just quickly move on to the title market um, because, well, the Warriors have turned the tide, haven't they? Like you say, the Boston Celtics are the favorites. The books are just behind them. Uh, the Clippers uh, plus 850. Um, come on, then. We're going to revise it. We don't do many episodes now throughout the season. So you get to nail your colours to the mass, what, three, four times throughout the season now, I think, here on Pinnacle. So are we, are we, are you guys changing your minds away from the books or, or my team is, is on it? the floor? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because he, I think I, if anything, I, I would, I would change. Um, I, w- I would change, I guess, who I have coming out of the West. I, I think I agree. I- I'm really, I am concerned about the Warriors. Um, we didn't say one word about the Phoenix Suns other than mm-hmm. Devin Booker. You know, th- they're 16 and seven and Chris Paul has barely played. So yeah, I-, I think I would remove the Warriors, um, certainly out of my spot in the West and then put a-, a few X's there. I think it's wide open. Um, and then out of the East, you know, I- I'm going to stay with Milwaukee, but. The Celtics certainly have, have made a, a compelling case. Okay, there we go. Right, I like that. I like that. We know where we are. For, so next time around, we know there's, where we're. There's at. one team we haven't we haven't really touched on at all. I go think on, you we've mentioned got them. Come on, then. Uh, is the Mem- Memphis Grizzlies just because they're they've played pretty well and they haven't been whole at any point this season. They've, you know, Jaron Jackson missed the, the the first chunk of the season. And by the time he came back, Desmond Bain, who started the season playing like an all-star, um, that was out. And so they have not played. I don't think, I don't think they've played a game where they've had all three of John Morant, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson. And yeah. uh, they're not as deep as they have been in the past. And so missing that they're still, they're still 14 and nine tied for third in the West. Um, I would like to see them get a run of 20 games with, with their core intact, 
and then then kind of see where they are. Just because I think that um, you know, Morant is the kind of of singular offensive talent that can drive a team in the playoffs. And then you have enough shooting and, and some versatility around. That's a team that if it goes right, I think is still incredibly dangerous. Well, they're tenth favorites with Pinnacle for the overall um title so there you have it and it might be just worth looking at some of the other markets if you are a listener uh, based on what you've heard off Seth there you're right there's so many teams that we could mention but we always try and cram it into like half an hour uh, but I'm glad that you did pick, pick us up on that um, it's a good point now um, we've done all the NBA stuff we're just going to quickly um, in the last couple of minutes here just just want to ask you one on the NCAA um, college basketball is a is a cracker. I'm getting a laugh off you, Seth. There, <laughs> what are you chuckling away at? Well, Victor Mwanyama is the top pick. I don't. What? Why are we watching college? I don't. Know. That's that's right. The top two players, neither one of them are in college. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, Houston are the favorites uh, by quite a long way, uh, and then Texas, Arizona, Baylor, Kentucky. Um, um, have you managed to catch much college basketball? A pair of you. Mm-hmm. Not not thus far this year. I think normally this time of year it would it would start to be part of my diet, but there's another sporting event that's going on that is uh yeah, dragging away all my all my non NBA time. <laughs> nice, I love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, I don't see my uh, on Thanksgiving. My father in law is a big University of Cincinnati fan, um, and so he forced me to watch one of their games in in Hawaii. And I saw Ohio State beat Cincinnati, and then I saw Ohio State beat somebody else. The Buckeyes don't really have anybody that I'd heard of uh, coming into the year, so that's that's the extent of my uh, insight in, into uh, the Buckeyes and NCAA basketball right now. Well, I tell you what, we'll pick your brains on the next time. Make sure because you've got no excuse next time we speak because the World <laughs> Cup will be finished. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so there we go. So we'll have a look at that the next time around because I know that there's uh, there's a bit of an appetite for it actually. Uh, people wanting to know what's going on in the NCAA. So um, there you go. So, uh, gents, thanks so much for for talking. And by the way, just before we do go, um, there is plenty of podcast um, material around the World Cup. Of course, the knockout stage is already underway in Qatar. And uh, towards the business end of the tournament, there's loads of stuff on all the Pinnacle pages as well. There's all the betting resources as well that we've got at Pinnacle.com, the Euro League predictions, and of course, all the NBA insights as well. Well, that's it for another edition. I think we've tried to cover as much base as, as we possibly can. Uh, thanks to Joe. Thanks to Seth. And uh, just remember, all odds were correct at the time of recording. Please remember to gamble responsibly. <laughs>